Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Going to visit a familiar passage of Scripture tonight. To, I'm sure, I'm confident that it's been read by us many times, but if I may, just for the next few minutes, I just want to draw our attention to it and remind us or perhaps refresh something in your mind. And I want to speak from this subject tonight. He understands our hurts. He understands our hurts. John 5, if you have that, say amen. And you can just remain seated. We're going to read several scriptures. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. When you look around at the people who attend church on Sundays or a midweek service, what do you see? Do you see remarkable people dressed in fine clothes who have it all together or do you see hurting people in need of comfort, troubled people in need of peace, sick people in need of healing. An author wrote an article entitled, Would Every Non-Herder Please Stand Up? And the writer points out that people come to church wearing their best clothes and their best smiles and everybody looks happy so we assume that everything is okay. But he suggested in his writings that beyond the facade, the reality is that the pews of the church are full of hurting people. He wrote, over here is a family with an income of $550 a week who have expenses of nearly $800. Over here are two children who, according to their dad, are failures. In the back, there's a lady who had found a lump this week that tested positive. There's a couple who had just had an ugly fight last night and today as they sit in church, they're contemplating divorce. Last Monday, one man learned that at, he was being laid off at the end of the week and there is a wife who has tried her best to cover the bruises that her husband inflicted upon her when he came home late Friday night. 
Then there are those with lesser hurts, but they don't seem so small to them, perhaps a a boring or a dead-end job, a poor grade, a friend or a parent who is unresponsive. And there, the stories just go on and on and on of the people that are in the house of God, the lonely, the dying, the discouraged. We're all here. And just stay with me for a moment. I didn't come to, to pour us into doom and gloom tonight, but And it was to such people that Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, come unto me, all all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this is not to say that And he will resolve every problem immediately for Jesus clearly said that in this world there will be trouble. But he can resolve our problems when we trust him. In some cases he may resolve that problem or that situation immediately. In other cases he will not resolve it immediately but he will grant us the power to endure the difficulty until we triumph over it. The healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda recorded in John 5 is a dramatic example of this. Here was a man for 38 years who had been unable to walk, a burden to others perhaps, and probably with little sense of self-worth to himself. But Jesus had pity on him and Jesus healed him on this day. And it's one of the few times that scripture records Jesus healing someone when he was not asked to do so. Jesus just happened upon this man and and provided a healing. Jesus dealt with this man and his needs and I believe there are some lessons that we can learn from that this evening. First of all, Jesus encouraged the man to decide what does he really want. Verse six, Jesus asked him, will thou be made whole? And if you was to break that down into our modern vernacular, it would merely would say, do you want to be healed? And that sounds like an absurd question. Of course this man wanted to be healed. Would you ask a starving man if he wants any food? But actually it was a valid question. For there are people who if given the opportunity might actually choose to remain sick. Right now, they're free of some unpleasant responsibilities and they get sympathy by complaining and they can somehow manipulate people by being sick or punish themselves if they feel guilty. Now, please don't misunderstand me this evening and think that I'm being cold and cruel. I am just simply stating a fact that does exist sometimes. Certainly not all who are ill want to stay that way. Dan Reaver was a disabled Vietnam veteran and he recalls of a young man who was with him in the draft in the 1960s and this young man did not want to be in the draft. So he went to the dentist and had all of his teeth pulled out to make himself unfit for military duty. The day came for him to take his physical before the military doctors. He was declared unfit for the U.S. Army because he had flat feet. So when Jesus asked, so when Jesus asked, do you want to get well? He seems to be saying, you have friends who have brought you here and you've developed friendships with others who come here regularly. If I heal you, 
Your life is going to become a complete reversal. You'll be expected to perhaps get a job and relate to people on a different basis. And are you ready for that change in your life? Do you really want the healing that I can provide? And that's a question that we may need to answer for ourselves as well. What do we really want from God? The first step to gaining something we all know is to want it, to desire it. Two psychiatrist doctors, Drs. Minerth and Dr. Meyer, wrote a book entitled Happiness is a Choice. In it, they said, as psychiatrists, we cringe whenever patients use the word, I can't. They said, any good psychiatrist knows that can't is merely an excuse. We insist that our patients stop using can't and say the word won't instead. They need to see what they are really doing, so we make them face up to it by repeating, I just won't get along with my wife. I won't communicate with my husband. I won't discipline my kids the way I should. And when they change their can'ts to won't, they stop avoiding the truth and start facing reality. And I know that seems a little harsh, but we need to determine in our own lives what we really want. And as God's people, we need to learn to stand with Paul and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. A second need for the man's healing was to quit blaming others for his problem. The belief was that the waters of Bethesda had healing powers in that day and the people knew that when the angel come to, to trouble the waters, uh, the first one in the water could be healed. So when Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? The man replied, sir, I, I have no one to help me to get into the pool. When the waters are troubled, I'm trying to get there, but someone goes down ahead of me. And he was complaining. He said, every time that these waters are troubled, no one will help me get into the pool. It's always the stronger ones who, who reach the water first, and they receive the healing. And those of us who need it the most don't have anyone to help. And it's been that way for me for 38 years. Sometimes if we're not careful, it's very easy to blame other people and other things for our problems. You know, when God asked Adam why he disobeyed, Adam, Adam said it was the woman that you give me. It's her fault. When Moses come down off the mountain and asked Aaron, what in the world is going on? Aaron said, well, you was gone too long and the people wanted God, so I, I threw their jewelry into the fire and out came this golden calf. You, you know, don't, don't, don't blame Moses, blame, blame the children of Israel, blame the Egyptians, blame, blame the calf. But Aaron said, don't blame me. When Pilate was forced to make a decision about Jesus, he said, I, I'm washing my hands of this matter. Do what you want to do with this man, but his blood will not be on my hands. And people do the same thing today. I have heard acquaintance of mine say things like, well, I'd stop drinking if my wife would quit nagging me. I'd work harder if people appreciated my effort more. I'd make better grades, but the teacher doesn't like me. It is said that King William of Potsdam once paid a royal visit to a prison. Every prisoner brought before him claimed to be innocent, and they begged for a pardon, except for one man who come before the king, and he admitted his guilt. The king quickly told the warden, he said, get this guilty man out of prison before he corrupts all these innocent men. And the man was set free. 
You know, sometimes we have such a difficult time saying, it's my fault. I have a hard time confessing that to Jenny sometimes, that I was wrong and it's my fault. We sometimes blame heredity, environment, or circumstances, everything except ourselves. And yet what the Lord wants is for us to accept responsibility for our own behavior. Paul said in Romans 14 and 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Heredity and environment do play a part in influencing us sometimes, but we can rise above that with the help of the Lord because he understands us and he understands our hurts. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. You know, some of the Bible's most successful people had terrible past. God seemed to always want to choose the people uh, that had some, some, marred, some marred decisions in their past, some, some things that they would prefer to keep hidden in a closet. But God has a unique way of taking people that is full of trouble and turning them and being able to use them for the kingdom of God. Notice that Jesus motivated the lame man to put forth an effort. In verse eight, we read that Jesus told him to get up, pick up your bed and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his bed and walked. Jesus frequently required effort before he healed people. Not always, but often. He required a response of faith even before he would heal. I have heard Brother Bobby Gibson several years ago said, sometimes you just have to believe you're healed even though you're not and, and you'll receive healing. Jesus frequently required effort. He said to the 10 leopards, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. He said to the man with a withered hand, he said, stretch forth your hand. And when the man did, he was healed. Jesus put clay on the eyes of a blind man and told him to go wash at the pool of Salaam. And when he washed, he could see. Jesus asked this man to attempt the one thing that he hadn't done in 38 years. He said, get up. Pick up your bed and walk. And when the man made an effort, when he put forth an effort, he was healed at once. Uh, any, of, any of you that knew my grandfather, uh, Daniel Newbern, he was sometimes could be a little bit honoring and uh, strong-willed might be perhaps a better word to say. But I remember back in the middle 90s when he, he had some knee surgery, a knee replacement, and he had had the surgery and they had sent him home and was going to send you know, somebody by to do the rehab. And so they'd have to do these exercises and you know, they'd tell Grandpa Lift, well, it hurts. Well, come on, Mr. Newman, put that hurts. That's all I can do. And that went on for some time. And uh, of course, part of the responsibility of this individual was to push him, but my grandfather was a little bit hard to push. So as, as time went on, the knee locked up and he had to go back for, and have the surgery done over and, and, and re-break or whatever they do. And the doctor told him, he said, now you can come to Gainesville every day for rehab and that way I can keep an eye on you. See, there's times that we need to put forth 
and effort in our life. We, we can't just wait around for God to fix it, you know, and take the attitude. Well, God knows I'm here. He knows, he knows what's wrong. So if we want to be whole, we must make an effort. It was Jesus who said in Luke 11 and 9, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Effort, effort. And last of all, after he was healed, this man was motivated to give testimony that Jesus himself had healed him. God used another miracle as he did so many times to further the kingdom and the gospel. In Max Lucado's book entitled He Still Moves, Stones. He asked about this particular story that we read this evening and similar stories in the gospel. Mr. Lakato said, tell me, why are these stories in the Bible? Why are the gospels full of such hopeless people? Though their situations vary, their conditions do not. They are trapped and rejected. They have nowhere to turn on their lips or desperate prayers in their hearts. There are desolate dreams and in their hands, broken ropes. But before their eyes, a never-say-die Galilean who majors in stepping in when everyone else steps out. And again, I ask, why are the stories in the Bible? Why, why did God leave us one tale after another of wounded lives being restored so we could be grateful for the past and so we could look back with amazement at what Jesus did way back then? I say no, no, and a thousand times no. The purpose of these stories is not to tell us what Jesus did. Their purpose is to tell us what Jesus still does. As our musicians come this evening, Paul tells us in Romans 15 and 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. These are not just children's stories, not romantic fables, not somewhere over the rainbow illusions. These are historic moments in which a real God met real pain so that we could ask and answer the question, where is God when I hurt? How does God react to my desperate needs? Read the story of Jairus. How does a father feel about those who are ill? Stand with him at the pool of Bethesda. What is God's word for the shameful? Watch as his finger draws in the dirt in the Jerusalem courtyard. He's not doing it just for them but he's done it all for me and for you. I know there used to be a stone in front of the tomb and I do know it was moved. And I also know that there are stones in each and every one of our paths, stones that trip and stones that trap and stones that are just too big for us to handle. And the reason these events are recorded in the Bible is not to help us look back at Jesus with amazement, but to know that he understands our hurts and he understands us. And he's here today, he's here now to help us, but we must put forth an effort and we must keep moving in faith. The God who spoke still speaks. The God who forgave still forgives. The God who came still comes. He comes to move the stones that we cannot bear. He comes to help us with our hurts when they are too heavy to bear. 
in this house this evening, there are, there are people with hurts. And if you're not hurting right now, you just hang on. I don't mean to paint your world gray, but it's L-I-F-E. And we can't heal our hurts. Only Jesus can because he understands. And there is healing power in the touch of Jesus. He's, he's reaching out to us. Sometimes he uses special and unique ways to do that when we're hurting. But Jesus always, he always knows where we're at. And when we think no one else understands, Jesus understands. I was hesitant to share this this evening, but I hope this is not too much honesty. Please don't hold it against me if it is, but oftentimes on Sunday mornings, I, I like to just sit in my chair and play my guitar and talk to the Lord and I guess you could say Sunday morning I was having a pity party, just discouraged. As many in this house, many families in this house have the same issue. Jennifer and I have a lot of our family that's lost. They're lost. And you pray and you pray and you invite and you invite and you try to, to get them around the people of God and you try to do the best that you can to live a life before them that exhibits what the kingdom of God is all about and what his grace and his mercy can do for us. And it just seems like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And as I sit there Sunday playing and talking to the Lord and I begin to cry and I say, my God, what's the use? And forgive me if that's, if that's too much, but I, I said, what's the use in even continuing to pray and Sunday concluding our services we were dismissed a precious saint in this church and I won't use her name tonight because I certainly don't want to embarrass her because it was out of character for her those were her words and she was visibly shaking and crying and she said I need to talk to you she said I wanted to uh, send you a text message, but the Lord just wouldn't let me. He says, I, you got to tell him face to face. She had had a dream the previous night, and her and I, for whatever reason, in, in her dream was on the church van, and we were picking people up to come to church. And she said she got to noticing that everybody we picked up was lost. We didn't pick up anybody that was full of the Holy Ghost, but every stop we made, everyone that loaded up was lost. And she said, we got to church and the message was preached and she said, Brother Jerry, you were imploring the congregation to pray that people were lost and, and that people are dying and they're going to hell. And she says, I don't know what this dream is about, but the Lord woke me from this dream. And she said, he give me a word to say to you. Don't you quit. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing. Don't you stop living this. Don't you stop believing this. You keep on, you keep on, you keep on doing what you're doing. And he understands our hurts. 
And he's seen where I was at. And in God's own unique way, I ne- my feet never touched the ground when I left here. I was just on cloud nine. I-, I got home and told my wife, I said, I received that in Jesus' name. That I won't let the devil discourage me because I know I serve a God who understands. As we stand across this house this evening, can we go to the Lord? Just make an altar where you stand. He said, we have not because we ask not. So if there's something you need tonight, let's just ask God in these closing moments of this service, let's ask God for what we need and knowing that we can trust and count on Him to have our best interest in His will. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.